Yo, what's up, guys? This is Dave with Dynasty Dorks. We're a year-round fantasy football podcast, and we do dynasty and redraft content. Thanks for the follow. Good luck this week. What's going on, guys? It is May 3rd, 3rd. The NFL draft is over, and we have some winners and some losers. Um, obviously, the veterans that are that are involved in this as well, but we're going to specifically talk about the rookies. But to start off, I just want to introduce the guys. If you don't know, this is some of the squad. Justin, been on the show many times. What do you got going on? Where can we follow you? Oh, man, it's awesome. <clears throat> Glad to have all four of us back. You can follow me at JF when it's 25. Obviously, I'll be here with my DDFF family, and then obviously you'll find me over at We Know Fantasy, uh, covering a whole bunch of things over there. So check us out. Cool, man, Ralph. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me again, dude. That's is uh, it's so good, Justin. To your point, to see all of us on the screen. So uh, it's 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 been too too long, man. Um, you guys can find me over at FF Faceoff, writing some content there for them as well as Dynasty Pros. Um, and then obviously just on Twitter, man, I, I try and make conversation with everyone and just about anybody. So feel free to, to follow and, and, and share the experience. And shout out to Viridian Global, um, the, the DDFF hats. We got two very, very dapper models um, <laughs> for the Viridian model, uh, Viridian Globe. Um, so, uh, so Jeremy, what do you got going on? They got all your threads and everything. You've been working hard. Yeah, they're they're over now. It's always this, this like a, a lull and like a sadness in my life because like now I don't I'm not as busy every single day going through this. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pope's FFH. Uh, kind of like Ralph said, Justin said, you know, I'm on there. I try and get to any questions, any ants, any concerns, any tweets. You know, I try to get back to everybody. Any written work's going to be at FTN and or um, SGPN, as well as some at Yards Per. Busy, busy guy. And then make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We'll be doing a lot of mocks and a lot of shows. And then during the season, we do weekly content. We cover both Redraft and Dynasty. And make sure you guys go to trophysmack.com. Um, at trophysmack.com, you can get this free ring with any belt or uh, trophy purchase. All you got to do is put Dynasty Dorks, all one word, all capital, Put the trophy or belt in the cart, put the ring in the cart, put the code, you get the ring for free. So if you're the commissioner of the league, you don't got to tell anybody about it. You just keep it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about winners of the quarterback class. So this rookie quarterback class, shades of EJ Manuel, not the best class in the world. We only had one, one quarterback go in the first was it 70 picks, 75 picks mm-hmm. uh, in the first two rounds? His name was Kenny Pickett. Um, so uh, we'll start off with um, Justin. You had you had Malik Willis as a winner. Let's start off there. Yeah, so I think, you know, everyone thought Malik Willis was, was going to be the high upside play in this draft. He was somebody that some mocked in the top 15. I think he kind of fell into a good situation here. Obviously, it sucks for his bank account when you're thinking you might be a top 15 pick. You're looking at some real guaranteed money. However, he goes over to Tennessee. He'll be able to kind of sit behind Tannehill for a couple of years. Tannehill has two years left on his contract. So whether Tennessee decides to see what he does this year, or maybe cut, cut bait for a cheaper contract the next year, 
Um, or you just roll in two years and then potentially turn it over to Malik Willis later. I like what Vrabel's done with that offense. Um, it's not going to put a whole lot on his shoulders right from the beginning. Obviously, Derrick Henry will be getting up in age in, in two or three years, so it'll be a different offense at that point. But um, I think it's a good organization, and I think they've got a good plan, and um, he'll have time to kind of mature. No, I, I like that. And I was kind of going back and forth with the trophy smack earlier today because they were going over, you know, Matt Corral versus um, Tannehill. Uh, well, Matt Corral versus Malik Willis and talking about the situations and things like that. And he's got a great situation with a, a head coach and a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year. And Ryan Tannehill, they get, they have a an opt-out next year. They can get out of his contract out of 2023. And, um, you know, when you look at it, if Tannehill is an average quarterback, if he's an average quarterback, he's getting paid a lot of money. Um, maybe if you had Malik Willis, a quarterback, you can afford to keep A.J. Brown. So um, let's uh, – away from the Eagles, I, I'd appreciate it. Um, so <laughs> Desmond Ritter was the winner from both you guys at the bottom. Who wants to start? We're all going to start. I, okay. So I think there's a lot of wins behind Ritter actually ending up in Atlanta. The first one obviously being at the beginning of the year we thought – Atlanta's going to have, I think we we saw their wide receiver room and we just said, who are they going to have? And Kyle Pitts can't do it all. And I think that was obviously adding Drake London adds a good wide receiver to that room. Obviously Atlanta it knows they're not in a position to win. I think what they did this year is they're stocking up now to hopefully if Ritter is the quarterback of the future, he's going to have a solid wide receiver in Drake London. He'll have a, if not the best tight end in the league come next year, whatever his opportunity comes Maybe this year, depending how Mariota does, um, maybe he gets a shot to do it. And I think, obviously, that offense is going to look much better. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Calvin Ridley, but I think Ritter ends up, if if for whatever reason Ridley were to come back to the Falcons, you're looking at an offense that has Ridley, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a good offense. I think it's in a good spot for Ritter to kind of just take over that offense. And I, I consider him a big Big win. He was my QB two coming into this. Um, and I thought he was very talented. He's a very good quarterback. Um, nothing crazy, but I think he's got the ability to be a starter there. And so I think he, he comes off as a winner. So um, that's on my end, Jeremy. I'd love to hear what you have to think as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking the long game here, mostly dynasty you're looking at is just a pure win because he does, he gets that chance to kind of sit behind Mariota Oh, I kind of comp him a little bit pre, pre-draft to like that Ryan Tannehill mold um, where he's not really, I mean, he's got, he's more athletic than Ryan Tannehill, but he kind of does everything. You know, he has that, he has the ability to run, he has the ability to scramble, he makes throws. He's just really, my big thing for him is he was just a little bit inaccurate. And that's something that I think he can fix. A lot of it seemed like more of a footwork and just kind of a timing issue with him when he was inaccurate. So I just feel like, Desmond Ritter fitting there. Arthur Smith's system just makes a lot of sense for him. We saw Ryan Tannehill have a lot of success in that system in, in Tennessee. And I just like where he's going to fall. Um, and like you had said, Ralph, you know, Drake London coming in, it's going to be almost their AJ Brown there. You know, he's going to be able to stretch the field. He's big. He's physical to an extent, um, create some separation. Kyle Pitts, we know what he can do. I mean, he had over a thousand yards last year. I mean, we'd be talking about him being tight end one this year. I mean, most probably are, but like, aside from touchdowns, just because Atlanta was so bad. I mean, he would have had a crazy rookie season last year. And then, you know, I expect him to be kind of bad. Um, and then maybe next year they can get a running back in the second round. That class is going to be really good. And I just think 
long game, I think next year Desmond Ritter is going to be a real nice fantasy option. So it's just where I'm at. I just, I'm, I'm not totally in on the rest of the guys. Um, I mean, I am with Kenny Pickett, but I just, I don't know. I think Ritter's just in a better situation for him himself. Agreed. Yeah. And I took the low hanging fruit, Kenny Pickett um, being the only person from this class in the first round, which, you know, they made a point during the draft cast to talk about this fraternity of quarterbacks really should bond together and just, you know, everyone's talking shit. Like, yeah. we got to go do something. And, you know, that is the EJ Manuel class might have did the same thing and they ended up all being shit. But at the end of the day, like these guys all should have a chip on their shoulder from not only from where they're drafted, but how they're being talked about as a group. And Kenny Pickett's the leader in the clubhouse. He's the one that got the first round pick. And the reason that, you know, for him that I put him as the winner, he's got a great situation. He's with Mike Tomlin. There's that's just, I don't know if you watched the phone call from Tomlin to Pickett, but I was like, I'm moving him up. Like it made me just excited for Kenny Pickett. And it showed me they were excited about him. It definitely made me not so excited about my Mitch Trubisky shares. Um, you know, they just sat back patiently and waited. They didn't have to trade up. They didn't have to pay up more. They got, you know, the fifth round option. And he's in a great, great setup with, you know, with Mike Tomlin, with those weapons. They got another weapon in the draft. And they got a great running back. You know, one of the best friends to a, a rookie quarterback is a great running back. And they have one of the best. Um, so Kenny Pickett was a, you know, a big winner for me, um, not only from the draft capital, but the position. And then on top of it all, he's staying in Pittsburgh where he's, you know, he's already beloved there from what he was doing at Pitt university. I, I graduated from Pitt university. So I have, a, you know, a lot of my, my friends are already going out and buying Pickett jerseys. So he's already, you know, got people that are fans of his, you know, whether they graduate from, you know, Pitt or from the area. So um, he's, he's got a, it's a great, great move for him. So there's always the other side of the coin. So let's go to the, the losers from the quarterbacks. Um, Justin, you can start us off. Yeah, so I'll be short with this one, but I'm always kind of um, – I feel for the guy who is highly rated at some point in their career and then some injuries derail him. I went with Carson Strong here. Uh, he was a guy 6'3", six, six, close to 6'4", measuring um, quarterback position, strong arm. He had a lot of hype going into Nevada. He, he played well when he was able to play in college. But for him to go undrafted when he was projected as a day two pick, that's rough. Um, he, you know, he's signed with the Eagles. He'll catch on, potentially maybe get a backup role. I don't know. He is guaranteed $320,000 with that Eagles roster spot. So um, he's not going to come away empty-handed. But I, I feel for Carson Strong a little bit. Ralph, what do you got? I I picked Malik Willis as one of the losers. And so I think very similar to what you kind of just mentioned, Justin, I think the biggest thing is we went into this. Obviously, there was people that were 50-50 on Malik. And I think, you know, whether he was that top talent at that one-on-one mark in Superflex leagues, you know, I think draft capital was going to depend on that. And we saw him slip, and we saw him slip quite often. Um I think that tells a lot around some of the talent that they see. And I think maybe he does have a high ceiling. I just think there's a lot of fundamentals that are probably not NFL ready, clearly why he slipped the way he did. And I think um, to your point, I mean, he, he went in there thinking he was going to be a first round pick. Um, and so I think to, to be in that situation and then just even some of the things, and I, I know the NFL is a tough place to be, but even some of the things like Ryan Tannehill said today around just like, I'm not, I'm not here to mentor 
Willis. Like you've seen other veteran quarterbacks kind of take the approach of like, yeah, I'll take him under my wing. Like, let's do this. But I think Tannehill, I mean, he still has some solid playing years left in him. And I mean, I, I think he doesn't want to see his job taken over if, if that, you know, if those fundamentals come in a little bit later. So um, for sure, interesting to see what happens in that situation. But I think Willis went from potentially being a starter at whatever he was going to land, whether it was Carolina that some people had him go and whether it was in Pittsburgh, whatever the case is to now having to at least sit out for a year um, must be tough. So I, I think for him, hopefully, I mean, I, Hopefully he gets an opportunity at some point, but uh, I, I mean, Tannehill, like I mentioned, he's, he's a stable quarterback. He's, he's going to go out there and give you what you need. I mean, hell, they've been a playoff team ever, ever since he's been there. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, but I, I think Willis comes off as a, as a big loser in this situation. Yeah. And, and I had Willis as a loser as well. Um, you know, I can get behind Justin's points on why he was a winner. Yeah, um, oh, sure. But, you know, number one, he was, you know, the draft capital and being having to sit down, you saw the emotions when he got drafted. Yeah. He was just, it was a tough night. And it was, it was probably the longest two days of his life. And then uh, on top of it, you know, the money, the financial impact of that, you know, um, and if Malik Willis went to Pittsburgh, I feel like he's in a much different spot. Um, you know, and then not only to get drafted to the Titans, but to lose AJ Brown as part of the, part of the whole weekend, was just, you know, it's not as good of a situation as it was. Um, and then on top of it, you you have Tannehill, who's, you know, he's pretty productive, pretty solid, you know, as a starter. But again, there was talks, you know, about Tennessee being a team that could move on, and we talked already about that. So, so Jeremy, who do you have as a, as a loser? Uh, I'm going to go with the former projected number one overall, Sam Howell. Uh, I think if you want to talk about a fall from grace, not that Carson Strong wasn't, but Sam Howells was pretty, pretty rough. Um, <laughs> last year it was him and Spencer Rattler. You can argue which one was worse, uh, as the top guys coming into this year. And then he went all the way to, uh, I mean, the fifth round, I think it was right in yep. <clears throat> Washington to basically just being Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been many quarterbacks from the fifth round that do much. Um, as far as career long longevity, uh, I could see him being kind of just like a backup, a Taylor Heineke role, who a guy's who's there, who he's going to be pushing and trying to beat him to keep a roster spot. Uh, that Ryan Fitzpatrick mold, you know, just kind of this guy that's just going to be bounce around, might find some starts in there, the Case Keenums of the world. But I mean, he was at one point we thought going to be the pride and joy of this class. So for me, that's where I just feel like he's kind of the loser, like. I mean, all these guys really are. I mean, Ritter is our only hope, but even at that, you know, as third-round quarterback, at least Willis, third-round quarterback, you know, like as far as fantasy and, and analytics go, like these guys are pretty dead to any type of fantasy success, at least if you follow the formula. So, You know, uh, Sam Munson had an interesting thing with PFF the other day where he was like they should do an investigation on what was told to Sam Howe when he went to the advisory committee with a year left of eligibility in the advisory committee telling him potentially, to come, depending on what they told him, he got some pretty bad direction potentially um, to fall out of grace like that and have a year of eligibility he could go back to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last year's <clears throat> class, though, he would have been – he probably probably would have been in the same position, really, you know. I mean, he, they, no one's going to take him over Lawrence, Fields, 
Lance. Well, he, he had another year, so he had another. He oh, you mean back. like he, he should have stayed this year is what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Still kind of in a bad situation. Shroud, Young. Yeah. But yeah, maybe a little better. <laughs> he's, he's sandwiched in the middle of two good classes. So let's move on to the running backs, and we have four different running backs for you. Uh, Justin, who who'd you get the uh, the award to for the running back? So I went Homer and I went Isaiah Spiller, but it's basically based on that offense. I think that the Chargers offense is going to be really good this year. Um, you've still got Lombardi there as the OC going into his second year with Justin Herbert. He came from the Saints system where we've seen two fantasy darlings yeah. coexist in the same offense. Isaiah Spiller brings something that that Austin Eckler doesn't. Plus, he can still catch the ball out of the backfield and move in a phone booth. So. Um, I thought that was a really good pick. I'm hoping this is the third year, I think, in a row that the Chargers have taken a late-round running back, and I'm hoping this one will stick. Yeah, I just drafted He's everything that they've tried to have Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Justin Jackson. He's yeah. all of them combined. So, really, as long as he sticks, you know, like, <clears> it's a really yeah. good fit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I did a mock before this, and, you know, I thought Spiller was a great value where he's being drafted. Um, and in your, in your drafts, like you're going to get Spiller in the middle of your second round, late second round, I think it was two seven and a super flex. And I'm like, that's a great value. Um, you know, big Austin Eckler fan. I think we all are, but he misses time. And so Spiller is someone that can do both things. Um, and he's everything we thought, you know, Justin Jackson was going to be, or, um, can't even think of the guys, Kalen Balazs, Kelly, um, Josh Kelly, yeah. And he brings that Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, um, you know, type of a role to that offense. So, Ralph, who'd you have? I had Rashad White. I was a big Rashad White guy coming out. Um, he he brings to that Tampa offense what a Tom Brady-led offense needs. And obviously, Lenny did a phenomenal job last year. Obviously, he, he was able to crush it. The one thing about Lenny is he's never been able to have a full 16-game season ever in his career. Now, obviously, this isn't going to say that he comes in and then takes over once, you know, if Lenny misses time. However, I do think they find a way to incorporate both of them. I mean, I think we we saw Lenny, I, I believe it was 91 targets last year, somewhere around that. I mean, he was he was catching balls out of the backfield like no other. And I think Rashad White can actually go in there and help some of that. Um, and he'll get his targets. He's also a solid runner. Um, he, he makes those quick cuts. He, he breaks the tackles. He's an in-between guy. Um, he's a great running back, and I think he fits that offense perfectly. So um, huge fan of him, and I thought Tampa was a phenomenal landing spot. And, I mean, like at, at the end of the day, if he does do a great job, we could see him take over that backfield um, next year or the year after. So um, huge Rashad White fan, um, hoping for it, but I thought he was a great winner. Yeah, I, I like that one. And and ironically, the kind of a lot of the comps people throw around is David Johnson. Yep. And yeah, Bruce Arians in the building. Um, yep. so, um, so like, love that. Uh, Jeremy, who'd you, who'd you have? Uh, yeah, I went with the Florida product guy. I wasn't really huge on as far as fantasy goes coming into it, but obviously the NFL fought differently. Um, but I went with Damian Pierce, uh, mainly because the rumors were the jets traded ahead of Houston because Houston was going to take Brees hall. Uh, and for that tells me that, Damian Pierce must have been their second running back, basically, on their board. Maybe Kenneth Walker was, and they couldn't get him, but they obviously neglected to skip Kenneth Walker after the Jets traded up for him. So um, it obviously means they really like Damian Pierce enough that I think that he can walk in there. I mean, 
he has what's left of Marlon Mack to compete with, uh, which is not all of much. And then I think Rex Burkhead's still there. David Johnson's still there, but you wouldn't think he is. And uh, so exactly. So like, I just feel like he just is a huge winner. Like, I mean, he landed in the prime spot that we wanted one of these rookie running backs to go to that wouldn't hurt anybody else's fantasy value of anybody we care about. And it's Damian Pierce who lands there. So there's a good chance he sees 200 touches this year. I mean, and whether he's good or not, I mean, just that pure volume, you could have that James Robinson effect where like, I mean, Robinson's a good running back, but like just that pure volume of just touches and opportunities. And Davis Mills looked good last year at the end of the season. So like with the ad of John Mechie at wide receiver, like, I mean, they have talent around him. Mm -hmm. Jordan looked pretty good. Like this offense could be kind of good. Like I'm not going to say they're going to go out and light the world on fire, but good enough that you could see Damian Pierce scoring, you know, a good portion of touchdowns and have a decent fantasy season. And he's still just kind of, again, it's the same guy like Rashad white, Isaiah Spiller. These are second round guys that you can get that have that potential to like break it and be a very valuable fantasy asset more so than some of these wide receivers were drafting higher, at least in year one. The values there for running backs. Yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say out of all the mock drafts that we were doing pre NFL draft, I would say Damian Pierce was the guy who was jumped up by at least two rounds. I mean, I, I, I was watching Damian Pierce go probably mid to late fourth for some people, but pre-NFL, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, pre-NFL draft. Now I'm seeing him, I mean, Charlie Fryer swooped in and got him three times before me um, in three different drafts. And I'm like, dude, every single time. And so, I mean, and, and it's happening all throughout drafts. I'm seeing it. He's going in the 203 to 206 area, which – is is great to see. So I think a lot of people see it. And I think the value is there in this in this 2022 draft that it justifies drafting him there. So um yeah I I a hundred percent agree with you Jeremy. Yeah and if in that that landing spot if Rashad White went there Zamir White or mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller went there if Kenneth Walker if Kenneth Walker went there then there might have been some conversations to be had between him and Bruce Hall. Everybody um, already thinks Kenneth Walker's better than Brees Hall. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I've been on Twitter lately. Everybody yeah, yeah. thinks Kenneth Walker's Seattle landing spot's better than Brees Hall. <laughs> yeah, I, I but guess. But again, it. I get it. Michael Carter's in New York, but like imagine Brees Hall in Houston. You know, had he actually made it to Houston, like that's clear cut. He's getting every single touch out of that backfield. You know, at least in the Jets, there is that second doubt in your mind of like, well, Michael Carter's still there. You know, so yeah, this is so the, like, the mock we just did. Rashad White went 202. Isaiah Spiller went 207 and Damian Pierce went 209. Literally our running backs that we picked were all back to back to back. And then Brian Robinson, who is a back to back loser coming up in the next episode. Um, and then Tyler Algier is the next, which is my winner. Um, and I got him at the 212. Um, so nice. I, I think I would grab him. And then as soon as he's announced like the starter, then I might trade him. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. But he is someone that got that prime landing spot. Cordero Patterson's on a one-year contract. He's not a pure running back. He really is kind of a Swiss Army knife. He's Debo before Debo. Um, he's, you know, he fizzled out at the end of the year last year. And then Mike Davis kind of had a little bit of a burst. Um, but he's got the landing spot that you get, and you get 212. Is so for me, he's a winner. He's someone that I moved up to my RB eight 
Um, I, I think people are going to be, you know, much higher on him now um, than they were pre-draft, and that's why I have him as a big winner. Yeah, and I mean, and with Mike Davis leaving, that's yeah. a big one too. So, yeah. Yeah, there's no one else there. Yeah. I, that's what I was going to say. Same thing was Mike Davis leaving. Like, he's another one that I think, like you had said too, Dave, like even now, once that news has been announced, he's been starting to slip, slip up. I've had a lot of rookie drafts the last week. And like right off the bat, he was still kind of in that third range. You could get him. And then as soon as like that Mike Davis stuff came out, like everybody, it's like starting to creep up, you know, and now he's coming up to two, eight, two, nine, two, three. Cause he, in theory, he's probably going to be the starter, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they see Pat, but like, I mean, he's yeah. still going to get touches, you know, and he, he yeah. wasn't terrible. I mean, he's serviceable. He's a serviceable running back. So, and he had decent draft capital. So, and before we go to losers, give two, two more winners that just need to be mentioned. Hassan, you know, Hassan Haskins going to, going to Tennessee. That is a great fit. And then James Cook. Um, James Cook is now going off the board as the running back three in a majority of drafts. And he's now a solidified first round pick. And there was just a tweet about him just a second ago. Um, you know, people are really hyped about James Cook. And in this draft, he went at the 111. And so you're going to see him at the end of the yeah. end of the first. But I've seen him in the mid first, you know, 107, 106 range. I just got him at 110. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the one, like you said, Justin, like 110, one. I, I could argue for 1-8, one 1-8 eight, one eight to one twelve. I think feels right. Um, I know there's a lot of talk that, hey, he's going to split touches with Devin Singletary, et cetera. And I know what Brandon Bean said in the press conference after that they're bringing him in as like a J.D. McKissick type role. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's a good enough runner that I think he can easily start to steal some of the work from Devin Singletary. And the Bills are notorious. I watch every game. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, throw stuff at the TV. But literally, like every single time they will they they are fine with rotating Devin Singletary a series, James Cook a series. Like they did it with Zach Moss, and it just was never working, and they still did it because they just don't learn from their mistakes. So it's just like James Cook, I think, will get a lot more opportunities than what's mm-hmm. getting alluded to. And if he at least comes out and shows something more than Devin Singletary, he could be a guy that I think easily kind of just surprises a lot of people. I, I, I don't I don't hate the lates first, but like you said, Davis, some people I've seen like six five, like six, like one five, one six, like you're getting into a little bit of like Ugh, it's a little risky for me. Yeah. It's I think the one the one thing they look at is they are starting to limit Josh Allen's touches from a running perspective a little bit last year. You started to see him go away from it a little bit as I know you saw Jeremy. So I think that that gives you at least a little bit of comfort that there is plenty of touches to go around in that backfield and, and get them play. And you, one thing that I could see them doing is a lot. Um, I, I like obviously the Ravens as well with JK Dobbins and stuff like that in his rookie season, they would line JK Dobbins up almost in the slot position and kind of motion them across and run like a jet sweep. And you mm-hmm. basically have a full speed running back cutting to the edge and you just basically cut off of the inside slot receiver block or off the edge and like, I could see them using James Cook that way along the goal line instead of forcing Allen to run necessarily down there. So, yeah. and that's where I could see, you know, touchdowns, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So let's go to the losers. So running back losers, there definitely was a few of them. Justin, who do you got? I had to go with Brian Robinson here. I like, I like Brian Robinson at Alabama, but you know, to be behind the running backs in Washington, he just doesn't go into a very good spot. 
Uh, obviously, that's Antonio Gibson's backfield. Antonio Gibson can get nicked up a little bit. We saw it late last year. So potentially that's where Robinson could come in because the other ones aren't really your hammers, Jarrett Patterson and McKissick. But there's just a lot of a lot of running backs there. He doesn't do anything like super special um, that would you know stick out a role. So it just wasn't a good spot for him. Ralph, you had him as well. Yep, times two. Justin, I think the biggest thing is we've seen Gibson – he almost took 100 more carries his second year than his rookie season. And, and mind you, they were still transitioning him over from that wide receiver role to really show him the running back works. And I think in order for us to see Gibson continue to grow, he will continue getting those touches. And obviously, I love Gibson. So I think when it comes to, to the pieces of seeing him being fully developed, I think we've started to see more of it. He looks like a pure runner. And I think Robinson was just a handcuff option. Now, I think that is only what he'll do. Sure, maybe he'll take five, six touches a game, give Gibby that rest. I mean, we've seen McKissick, he will have a part in that offense, which, I mean, takes away from Gibson's past production, which which sucks, but it's 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 fine. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I mean, we saw Gibson 258 carries last season. If, if he carries even 250 again, which is what I'm projecting for him this year, is about 252. Um, maybe Robinson takes 30, 40, 50 of those unless Gibson gets hurt, then I think they have a, a viable running back. Cause last year when Gibson went down, McKissick just wasn't doing it as a starter. He's not a starter. So I, so I think that's where a lot of teams started to see that. And I think the Redskins, uh, the Washington football team saw that commanders. Holy crap. Yeah. You uh, three, three names ago, three bro. names over the last three years. So commanders are, are, are seeing that now. So um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought he was a loser. Well, we have to get that sound bite for Ralph. Um, so, uh, so Jeremy, who'd you have for the loser? Uh, mine was Jerome Ford. Um, it was a guy I was a little late to the party on, but as I got closer to the draft, I kind of started to be like, yeah, I mean, maybe he's a little bit better than I thought. And then, I mean, he landed in running back purgatory with Cleveland. Like, let's be real. He's not better than Nick Chubb. He's not better than Kareem Hunt. So I think he could fill Kareem Hunt's role in the long term. Um, but like, I mean, right now it doesn't look too great for him. The Ernest Johnson re-signed, and they really like him. Like He's really the fourth guy on the roster. And Demetric Felton's there who they took last year. I mean, he kind of is a running back. So depends how they list him. He could even be five. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Just not a great I, – I, just not a great situation for him. So Yeah, yeah and I, I went with Kyron Williams, who was kind of the offseason loser – um, beginning of the season, he was the clear-cut RB3. Um, some people had him higher. I've seen some well, well-respected people have him as the RB1. And then the combine happened, and then the rest of the offseason happened. The pro day didn't fix it. And then the NFL draft did not fix it. Um, you know, if the NFL draft, if they would have went and picked him up in the third round or the second round, we would have been like, okay, all is well. We don't give a shit what your 40 was. But when you go in the fourth, fifth round, Yep, we care. Um, we care a lot, and you're behind a pretty full backfield there. I mean, he'll have a role, and I'm sure Sean McVay will find a way to use him a little bit, but the path to success is just really muddy in comparison to, you know, if we would have went to some of these spots that the winners got. Let's move on to receivers. There was a lot of winners. I know this people aren't necessarily super excited about all these landing spots, but there was quite a bit of winners. Um, 
You want to start us off, Justin, with Mr. George Pickens. Yeah, so I love this pick by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, one of the reasons I think he's a major winner is because of where he landed. If you look at Pittsburgh's track record of drafting wide receivers, they hit a lot. Their, their percentage is really high. Um, he's going in there with a lot of people he can learn from. Obviously, Deontay Johnson's a different player. I'm interested to see where Pickens will slot into that offense because Claypool kind of is playing that X receiver for them. But he's a guy that a lot of people tout as potentially the best wide receiver in this draft class if he doesn't tear his ACL. So his RAF score is kind of off the charts when he wasn't hurt. He's got a great vertical. He's got the strongest hands in this class, I believe, at catching the ball at the vertical point. So um, he, it was just a steal, I think, at, at where they got him. And um, he should be great in that offense. So they've got an out for Chase Claypool if he doesn't get it together. Sadly, I hope he kind of has a bad rookie season just because I can't draft him enough. And it's just kind of annoying me going through my rookie drafts. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. Because I was one of those that I do think he could be the best Roger Seager out of this class. I'd really like to see him play the slot there. Let Claypool play outside, Deontay on the other outside. Play him like as a big slot on the inside. They they like to have multiple receivers out there. Little fantasy trade. Um, what would you guys think about Chase Claypool going to the Bears? For all the Justin Fields fans, he sent Robert Quinn and some picks over there. It'll fix some things they need. Pickens gets a bump. Claypool gets a bump. Mike Tomlin's sick of the TikTok stuff. I mean, I, I think it would be good. But, uh, but I, yeah. I would love that. But I would also love if the Bears just got Justin Fields a wide receiver. So, I mean, I, I, so, so any, I, any wide receiver, right? Anybody else's Jones. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like I 26. Mean, put me out there. Coach. I'll play the slot for Justin. Hey, hey, well, we, we messed up. We messed up. We didn't give that guy a winner. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the mic for the winner. Um, Ralph. Yes. Um, it's a guy I was big on prior to the draft. I know it seems like out of nowhere, people are 50, 50 on him. Um, but Sky Moore, I, I, I thought he put up some some amazing college production uh, seasons over um, in college. And I think the biggest piece is also he he had a pretty damn good combine. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of what you see, obviously, he's not going to fill that Tyreek role. I think a lot of people are, are expecting the Tyreek production. I, I think you can expect solid production from him. And, and I think he immediately plugs into that offense. I mean, I think between Pringle – and Tyree Kill leaving, that's 240 targets in that offense that are going to go somewhere. Now, whether it's Sky Moore or it's MVS um, or it's Juju, uh, you know, whoever that's going to, I mean, I, I think Sky Moore out of those three guys, I think he's the most explosive out of them. And I think he's got the ability to make some of those, some of those opportunities and turn them into touchdowns and, and have an immediate impact. Um, I'm excited to see that. So obviously any guy that goes into that offense, any guy just into what we were saying earlier is like, obviously, again, it's no Tyreek Hill, but someone going in there and being able to work with Patrick Mahomes in that offense immediately becomes a little bit more attractive. And I think for me, Sky Moore is already one of those guys. And I think now going into that, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. And Andy Reid's been able to, to develop different offenses. He's a great coach and he always develops his offenses around his players not try to, you know, fit the players into the scheme. And last year, you know, a lot of people were playing that deep safety look that really gave them fits. 
And it I wouldn't say it took away Tyreek Hill, but it definitely gave the, the Chiefs a lot of trouble in the beginning of the year. Um, so they had to go to the spread and shred and really kind of nickel and dime them down, you know, down the, the field. Mm-hmm. Well, what better to do it with Sky Moore, who is, you know, a perfect slot receiver. Juju Smith's playing the slot. These guys can just go all over the field and it takes some of the pressure off Kelsey. Um, MVS is, you know, he's really just take take the field, you know, take top off the, the defense kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sky Moore went from being a, a mid to mid to early second to being a mid to late first. Yeah. And so he's a big winner. Um, I hope he doesn't go that high in my draft so I can get a few of him because uh, I'm a huge Sky Moore fan. Uh, I'm not taking him at the 105, 106 where some drafts he's going, but like he went very reasonable to 109 today. I would have definitely been all over that. So, um, so I'm with you, Ralph. That was my winner. We'll also throw some love for Velas Jones. Um, came out of nowhere like Randy Orton and definitely surprised some people. Um, but, uh, Jeremy, who'd you got? Yeah, I went with the uh, highly productive David Bell, um, the not-so-great combine David Bell. Uh, but, yeah, I really liked David Bell coming into the year, another guy I was really high on pre-2021 season, uh, and I think I was still at the end of it. You know, it's just a lot of production, very good um, at the catch point. He uh, creates separation like crazy. Um, and it's not even necessarily from his routes. It's just at the catch point. He has this ability to just kind of create separation that's not there. And then um, he has just really good hands. And I think he's not overwhelmingly exciting. But, I mean, landing in Cleveland with now what's going to be a Deshaun Watson-led offense, that's going to just be like a constant, like, let's see, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, pass Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt pass you know I mean it'll probably pass more with Deshaun Watson now but you know what I mean like it's going to be a good situation he's going to be a clear immediate day one starter I think I think he's better than Donovan Peoples-Jones and if not he's the third receiver on the field Uh, I think he could definitely take over that Jarvis Landry role that they had there so I'm I'm just in on David Bell I think he's got enough talent I know his combine was meh but taken at the end of the third round in a in a free pick kind of that Cleveland got like that's good draft capital. It means Cleveland cares enough ahead of some of these other guys. So I'm in on it. Yeah, no, I, I like that one. And if they don't re-sign Jarvis Landry, which Jarvis Landry, he's already he free agent. Yeah. He needs to go somewhere. Yeah. So if they don't re-sign him, then Bell's definitely up. And I'm wondering where he's going to go. You look at some of these teams like Chicago um, that could really use someone like a Landry. Um, don't do I mean, that. I think he's going to land in a contender. I think he'll be in like a like Los Angeles, the Chargers, Justin, uh, the Bills, Green Bay. like the Chiefs, <laughs> Green Bay, like a, a team that's a legit contender. I think he'll land somewhere like that. The Rams, you know, I mean, like somebody like that again, Dallas, you know, he'll probably kill one of these rookies that we really like coming out. You know, yeah, don't take Kansas, just, man. Don't take Kansas. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it, it could happen. Yeah. All right, so let's go through the losers. Uh, Justin, start us off. Yeah, so I went with John Mechie. I didn't really – I don't like the landing spot of Houston. I mean, it is opportunity, right? But I don't know what that offense is going to look like. I really did like John Mechie as a player coming out, so I wanted him to land somewhere where he could potentially show out. I just didn't love the landing spot. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's, it's more of just the unknown of the offense and what Davis Mills – 
what is the real day who is the real davis mills right like yeah. hashtag who is he um i, I just got i got to see what he can do and um see what that offense is going to look like but i didn't love where mechie fell actually he'll get bryce young <laughs> ralph see no that's a win then he becomes a winner sophomore winner <laughs> there you go you yes yes um jeremy if you'd like to go next just because I, i've been going first on all the uh, uh all the similar ones we have left so if you want to take it and then i'll and then sure. i'll take it from you all right uh we went with justin ross um and i'm just going i mean actually he ended up with a really good undrafted free agent landing spot in kansas city uh but just for a guy that's uber talented that definitely deserves to be drafted some of the guys that were taken ahead of him i i mean Obviously, I'm not an NFL scout. Otherwise, you know, I'd probably make more money. But, like, I just – I don't think he should have went undrafted. So, I think it's just – that's just the biggest loser for me is it's not even the landing spot. It's not anything more than I think just that undrafted capital kind of stinks for him. And especially for fantasy, if you're plugging in the numbers, the analytics side, like, doesn't look good for him right now. But if anybody's going to beat it, I think it could be him just because of the, the talent that's there. It's raw talent. And it's definitely the neck injury. It's concerning and all his injuries that he's had. But it just stinks that he went undrafted. That's about all that I have for him being a loser. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, we saw him in an offense. What was it? I, I saw a funny tweet the other day. And he was – I mean, he was with T. Higgins. He was with – um what are the guys out there uh, in Clemson? It was. Uh, it was Renfro. It was T. Higgins. And. There was one other guy. It was Mike Williams. Oh, Mari Rogers. Mari Rogers. Oh, and it was yeah. Mari Rogers. Yeah. 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 And Rogers, so he, Renfro. Yeah. He, he's out there with all of them and outproduced all of them. I mean, I, I think that that injury that, that we're all afraid of I, I think there's more to it so i mean i i think unfortunately for him he fell and i think it would just it sucks that he did that much because i think to your point i started seeing him in the sixth and seventh and i'm like bears please for the love of god take him for the love yeah. of god just, just please and even then he went out drafted and i said all right there, there's got to be something there because there's just that for that raw talent to go undrafted is is concerning because think, think about it the kansas city gave him like 300 and some thousand and I think the seventh round picks make what five fifty. So I mean, for an extra two hundred k, like a team that was really wide receiver needy didn't even feel the need to be like, all right, let's just take a shot at it. Yeah. You know, like that's there's got to be something in the medicals that yeah. they are really afraid of. Yeah, depending on what you think, or actually, again, whatever you think about nil, he's kind of the poster child of nil and and the benefit of having that in college now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it was, you know, I was definitely throwing some tweets out there. I threw a list out, and it included all 32 teams um, for teams that could use Justin Ross because he's a talented receiver. He's got the alpha build, and his 2018, 2019, whatever it was, was one of the best receiver seasons we've seen. And then, you know, the injuries, you know, the injury happened. And for those that don't know, it was just like they thought he had a stinger, and they went and did an x-ray and they were like, oh, you have congenital, um, you know, spine disorder. And he had to have surgery. And when he had to have that neck fusion, um, it just, you know, put a big red flag all over him. And if that never happened, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, some of the plays he was making with DJ Ugalele this season was absurd. You know, there's one that I have like in my thread of with him and even I just posted it separately. There's one that like he literally Ugalele like throws it. 
like out of nowhere and in the back of the end zone ross manages to grab it over his shoulder get both feet down well going out of bounds in like a two yard span like it was it was one of the greatest catches i saw all season and it's just like that's what people just like like that's his upside you know like he is really really talented it's just like you said you know that neck injury and if it's you know hereditary like that's something like you can't avoid you know it doesn't get worse etc that's probably what the nfl is worried about yeah yeah so I, I threw one out there and this one is all about perception and this is not what i think is reality because everyone's really concerned about draft spot immediate impact what's going to happen year one and so people are taking guys like christian watson and sky Moore over jameson williams and I think it's crazy because we talk about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. The Lions could 100% be in the market for them. I mean, they're 100% going to be up there for a top five pick in a loaded quarterback class. So I'll take Jamison Williams now at the 105, 106, 107 and happily wait a year for him to go. Because, yeah, D.J. Chark and Jamison Williams match with Jared Goff that's not the great – that's the greatest combination in the world. I remember when Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were like 37th and 38th in, in air yards, and it's like, well, it's probably not the receiver's fault if it's every receiver. It's Jared Goff. <laughs> so what they do, they got Matthew Stafford. So you get the dip now, but he was someone that you could have argued to take him as the number one overall, the number two, number three in your rookie drafts. And in some rookie drafts, people are smart. They're still going to take him three and four. But there are people that are letting him drop and taking Christian Watson, Sky Moore, some of these other guys, you know, James Cook over him because they're afraid of the immediate production. And that's why I wanted to make sure to talk about him. I honestly think it's a pretty good landing spot, to be honest. I think his game style fits Jared Goff's quarterback style 100%. He needs to throw the ball four yards. And Jamison Williams can just do the rest. It's 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 literally what Jalen Waddle was for Tua last year. You know what I mean? Like he's Tyreek Hill. You know what I mean? He's that that speed guy, that the yards after catch guy. I I honestly don't hate the landing spot. I think a lot of people hate the landing spot because so many people love the Mon Ross St. Brown, and now they're just kind of just bitter because they're like, dang it, what do you do? Because now you got DJ Chark, you got. Reynolds, who they re-signed. You got Williams that they re-signed. Hawkinson, like Amon Ross St. Brown, does it, his outlook doesn't look great right at the moment. So. Yeah. Sleeper doesn't even have Josh Reynolds on the depth chart. Someone pointed out that out the other day. I don't know if they're trying to tell us. Somebody posted it, and they were like, you see, Amon Rob Brown is listed as the one, and so I Photoshopped it and changed it to Jameson Williams. And they were like, wait a minute, where'd you put Josh Reynolds? And I'm like, I didn't do anything with him. He's just not on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's just wrap this up real quick. The the tight ends are not necessarily something we need to spend too much time on, but um, the the winner um, for for tight end you you had Charlie Kohler, Justin. Uh, just real quick on him. Strictly landing spot. He's going to Baltimore. He obviously he'll be behind Mark Andrews, but. As you know, they got rid of Hollywood Brown. So it's just it's an offense that can sustain two tight ends and, and he's somebody with some talent. So I like where he landed. And and Jeremy and Ralph, you got Trey McBride. Yeah. 
I think it's just a perfect landing spot. I think he gets Agreed. a chance to learn behind Ertz, uh, and Ertz is another guy that has dealt with injuries his entire career. So McBride might step in sooner, uh, and the landing spot even got a little bit better, unfortunately, with uh, Hopkins having the mm-hmm. suspension because now who says they don't roll out two tight ends, you know, and use yeah. one of them split out wide. So at least in the slot or something, kind of Gasecki gets used in Miami just as another playmaker, you know. I mean, their wide receiver depth chart's pretty low. It's Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore, what, Andy Isabella, A.J. Green, I think, re-signed. So, I mean, it's not like a great receiver room, so. Yeah, and and I'm going to package mine together. So my biggest winner was somebody that he he, he killed the workouts, had a perfect, perfect 10 RAS score, and Jelani Woods came out of nowhere to be, what was he, the second mm-hmm. or third tight end drafted? Second. And so he went to Indianapolis as well with, with, you know, with Frank Reich. So maybe not, you know, someone that jumps on the scene this year, but um, I really like him, him going there. He also gets Matt Ryan. Um, and he's also in a situation where like if John Mechie went to the Colts, we'd be talking more about John Mechie. You know, we didn't talk about Alec Pierce, but you know, the Colts was a prime landing spot and now they got Jelani Woods, Michael Pittman. They're going to be playing some, you know, Alec Pierce. He's tall as well. Um, they're really playing some, some big ball out. Yeah, Mo'Ally Cox. They got a basketball team out there. Um, <laughs> Starting five, six foot six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm about to put that on Twitter. Um, and then the loser was Jalen Widemeyer. He was like the number two all offseason. And then he ran like much slower than Jordan Davis and slower than like 35% of the, the tackles in the draft. I think he was like running like a, like a guard. Um, this guy can do a post corner and that's it. Um, he ended up not even being drafted. Um, so Jeremy, uh, Ralph, you also had wide. That was my loser too, for sure. Um, so Jeremy, you had a uh, Greg Dolgen. Yeah. Widemeyer's a bill too. Just, you know, in case you didn't see that. Oh, oh, I think I take back everything I said. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's still a loser. He's not going to beat OJ Howard or Dawson Knox. I don't even think he'll beat Lee Smith as a blocker. I don't know if Lee Smith's gone, but I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, Dolchich to me, um, he was a guy that I I think you could have argued was tight end one kind of coming into the draft. There's a lot of talk about him, McBride, and Jelani Woods, which way you wanted to go. Um, but landing in Denver, just it's not a great landing spot, I don't think. I think we saw Noah Fant, who was a great prospect, kind of just, I mean, I know it was Drew Lock years, but like two, two tight ends necessarily isn't a great sustainable offense when you have two really good running backs, two, three, actually three really good wide receivers. And now you're a second tight end on the depth chart behind Albert O, who they moved Noah Fant because they feel like Albert O is a good enough tight end. You know, I just feel like the path for Dolchich is going to be really hard now, where if you would have landed in a little bit different of a situation, you know, he could have had a better shot at kind of getting there. I just don't, unless, I just don't see his path being of like a a good percentage where he's going to pan out really. He's going to have to have an Albert O kind of situation where the guy ahead of him gets traded. Yeah, and even at that, you know, I mean, you got Russell Wilson there. It's going to be a run-heavy team. Nathaniel Hackett's going to definitely use both running backs. And then you got who is he going to target? You know, I mean, Russell Wilson, we've seen it in Seattle. I mean, they targeted Jimmy Graham when he was there, but, like, he tends to go to his wide receivers more than the tight ends. So, I just – it's not a great situation, I think. Justin, you had Jeremy Ruckert? Yeah, I mean, I think we all got spoiled with 
uh, obviously the the tight end that we had last year with Kyle Pitts. So, you know, everybody seemed like a loser. I actually love Johnny Wood. So you, when you had him, I was like, yes, I want to hear Dave talk about that. <laughs> Jeremy Ruckert's just one that, you know, Zach Wilson doesn't love the tight end. They've got wide receivers there. Um, I thought he had a good athletic profile coming out of Ohio State, but it was another landing spot thing where it just seemed like he it was not a great fit. And they just got two tight ends this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Conklin and Uzama. So. Yeah, so I mean, that's a that's a nice little tight end room they have over there. And so, I think they have Croft, who's pretty decent too. So that's right. Yeah, right. So yeah, so it, there's two guys we didn't mention that I think you know you could take fourth round flyers on. <clears throat> Daniel Bellinger, uh, the only guy ahead of him to stop him from a starting job for New York Giants, is Ricky Seals Jones and uh, Kate Otten. The only thing you know, obviously you have Gronkowski, who's most likely coming back. But if Gronkowski somehow didn't come back, Kate Otten would be, you know, probably the, the second tight end off the board in your rookie drafts. Right now he's being drafted as a third or fourth tight end in your rookie drafts. Someone to keep an eye on. Do they still have Brayton in Tampa? Yeah, they have Cameron Brayt. Uh, Brayt is there. Reggie Howard left, but they still got Cameron Brayt. Yeah, I like those two. So um, just real quick before we get out of here, one just one veteran winner. Start with you, Justin. Yeah, so I went Mike Williams, so I went Homer again, but I just think, you know, you hear all you heard all offseason that the Chargers may take a wide receiver, and I guess they could still bring someone in, but they didn't get anyone in the draft that's really going to challenge any of that starting rotation. Um, so I think Mike Williams and uh, Palmer, or, uh, Josh Palmer, are definitely winners coming out of this draft. Mm-hmm. Ralph, talk about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, man. Um, there's a difference between what the Chicago Bears did with Justin Fields and giving him dog shit. And then you have Zach Wilson, who they went out and got him a top wide receiver, the best running back in this draft. I mean, Justin, to your point, a tight end, just because, I mean, I guess they like him. Uh, I mean, they they got their two other tight ends. They also, I mean, last year drafted great with Elijah Moore. I mean, it's it's that offense is is setting Zach Wilson up. So, I mean, if, if there's a winner, it, it's, it's got to be Zach Wilson. Jeremy, got anybody for me? Yeah, I'll always take a chance to talk about J.K. Dobbins, so why not? Uh, Yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins is one. Um, I tweeted it a little bit ago. You know, I got the mixed reviews because everybody hates running backs off ACLs. But I just think, I mean, there's talk. You know, they tried to bring in Melvin Gordon. There was some talks that they were going to – and there's still veterans out there. But, like, there was talk they might have taken one of these running backs a little bit higher. They chose not to. Um, They took Tyler Beatty, who is a pretty good running back out of the SEC, led it actually last year. But – He's a little undersized. I think he's a good one-two punch type of guy. I think he's more so going to steal from Gus Edwards. Um, I think that J.K. is going to still have that lead role. Uh, I think he's had enough time to recover. It wasn't like an in-season ACL. It kind of was. But, like, I feel like they're if anybody's going to kind of break that mold of, like, hey, the first year is kind of not great, I feel like it could be him just because of the timing of the injury. Um, I haven't really seen any statistics. I kind of want to do a little research myself to see, like, hey, in-season versus preseason ACL, what the difference is for running backs coming back. But I, I think J.K. Dobbins is a good one just purely because they didn't bring anybody in from the draft. Plenty of time. He's yeah. ready to roll. He's had plenty of time. Yeah, so I went with Marquise Brown. Um, he goes from Baltimore to Arizona. A uh, little bit of a shocker during the draft. Um, we all were like, you know, pretty much all thinking. That was crazy. That was from the top over- rope. It was just out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like he was and he was at the draft party. That was the crazy part. That was the crazy part. Like you're like, 
all right, the Cardinals, the Cardinals just traded their pick and they just got Marquise Brown. And then all of a sudden, the, like Steve Kimes, like, here's Marquise Brown. And he's like, stage. <laughs> he so, just like, like instant transmissioned over to like yeah, the Arizona like, draft party, like just out of nowhere. He was already there. Um, Lamar Jackson's throwing, you know, WTFs out there on Twitter. Um, but he goes from one of the, the lowest pass volume offenses in the league to one of the highest pass volume offenses in the league. Goes from Lamar Jackson to Kyler Murray. And then DeAndre Hopkins gets suspended. So, like, Marquise Brown has seen a huge uptick in his value. And I'm going to run a price check on him because I don't know where to put him. I'm not, you know, trading a 106 for Marquise Brown. But where, where, where is it? I mean, so I'm going to put a price check out there. Make sure you guys comment and let me know. Um, we're at 9 o'clock. And, uh, you know, we we're not we're at the 56-minute mark. Um Let's do the plugs and let's get out of here. So, uh, Justin, where can we find you? Yeah, again, you can find me on Twitter at JF when it's 25. I look forward to the season, fellas. Drop. Sweet. At Lobos FF Den. Feel free to tag me anytime and anything, boys, fantasy football. And excited that we got the chance to talk today. All right, man. Good to see you. Jeremy? Pope's FFH on Twitter. Um, same thing. It was a pleasure being on. And I uh, look forward to more encounters this season. Well, we'll we'll definitely be inviting you back. All right. Good luck this season.